0: So
1: From the book of Ephesians chapter 3. I invite you to turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 3. Pastor Mike's been preaching through Ephesians for some time now, and um, he's going to be looking at verse 8 especially this morning, but we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13, and we'll remain standing together in honor, uh, out of honor for God's perfect, inerrant, inspired, infallible, authoritative, sufficient word. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. amen you may be seated and um, as we go uh, to prayer this morning uh, just two things to mention first if um, on average our conversation is looking a little bit gruffer this morning it's because it's women's retreat this weekend Um, and so we're going to pray just for the ladies who are going to be coming back uh, today from women's retreat and then second I'd actually like to invite up right now uh, for anybody who is here the Cambodia uh, short-term team so we have a team and thanks guys for coming on up we have a team who are going to be leaving on october 1st uh saturday night late almost probably closer to like uh early sunday morning uh october 1st and then getting back on october 19th hello everybody and uh and we're excited to to send you guys out and then hear about how god has used the trip uh in your time back so uh thanks for being up here and uh let's pray together father thank you so much for uh your greatness your power, your strength, as well as your grace and your mercy and your kindness towards us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that all around the world it's bearing fruit and increasing and people are being brought from death to life as they hear the message of Christ and trust in him and see their lives transformed by your grace. Lord, thank you for the mystery of the gospel that Jews and Gentiles are now in one family and we have access through christ with confidence to relationship with you thank you that in jesus there are endless riches um, uh, riches of of his goodness and love to be explored and and discovered And, and father we pray that this morning as we're together hearing your word you would allow us to see the riches that are in christ would you would you open our eyes to see that in a fresh way would you show us how sufficient he is to meet all of our needs and especially our need for cleansing and forgiveness. Lord, we know our sins and we're so thankful for Jesus, the only one who could save us. Father, we want to um, lift up the team going to Cambodia right now. Thank you that you've uh, sovereignly brought together this exact team and we know that that's according to your plan. We, we want to pray uh, together that as they go, you would fill them with love for the people that they're going to be interacting with there. We ask that you would use them to be a real blessing to the believers who are there um, and, and living life there. Lord, we know that um, anything that's eternally impactful from their time is going to come from you. And so we just pray that you would prepare them to be faithful servants, to serve with joy and with whole hearts and with humility. Um, Would you give them just wisdom and grace as they're there? And we ask that you would bless their time and uh, for safety and um, just practical needs as well. We, We put these things in your hands and pray for your blessing. Thank you for them. Uh, and we also uh, thank you so much for the ladies who are up at the retreat this weekend, and we ask that they would have had a, a sweet time of fellowship and, and a time to be uh, just uh, impacted and, and challenged and encouraged by your word. We pray that you'd bring them home safely as well. Thank you so much for the, uh, the many amazing uh, women at the church here who love you and walk with you, and we're just so grateful, Lord. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this morning to be together. We know that Christ is Lord, and he will receive all glory and honor and praise forever and ever. And so we want to put our hearts and minds into that stream this morning and do that by your Spirit's power. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: As we continue worshiping this morning, Charles Spurgeon once preached the following, Jesus is worthy of my life worthy of my love, worthy of everything I can say for him, worthy of a thousand times more than that. If I had 50,000 lives in this poor body, he is worthy that they should all be poured out one after another in martyrdom. One should be burned alive and another should be broken on the wheel and another should be starved by inches and another should be dragged at the heels of a wild horse and he would deserve them all. He is worthy. And if we had all the mines of India, silver and gold and gems, the rarest treasures of all the kings that have ever lived, if we were to give it all up to him and go barefoot, he is worthy. And if, after having done that, we were to abide day and night in perpetual work without rest, all for his sake, and if each one of us were multiplied into a million and all of us labored so, he is worthy. Is he worthy? He is. Let's stand once again and we'll sing He is Worthy together.
0: Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Was the Father true? Am
2: this morning where we get to come and worship you and sing your praises lord and we thank you for the chance to hear the preaching of your word as well god would you impact and penetrate our hearts with your truth this morning lord and we ask for your holy spirit to help us understand your word this morning lord above all we thank you for your amazing grace in christ and we ask for grace to look to him anew each day and be reminded of his amazing mercy that is new every morning Lord, we are so thankful for your steadfast love for us, even though we do not deserve it, God, and for reconciling us through your Son. We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
3: Today in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, I want to point you to the unsearchable Riches of Christ, and then point out some effects of dwelling on them. Swimming in such depths uh, could seem frightening. In 1992, a friend of mine offered to take me and my summer interns uh, out on his boat from Newport Beach to Crystal Cove. Seemed like an awesome day. I was looking forward to it. As we got going and we got closer to Crystal Cove, something happened. He parked a large boat offshore and dropped anchor. And then he says, all right, we're all gonna start swimming to shore. Instant terror for me. Had swim lessons as a child, clung to the side of the Cerritos College pool didn't learn to swim until the 10th grade not a strong swimmer today but everyone jumps in the water and starts towards shore and I hung back I say to my friend stay with me not sure I can make it by the way I'm the guy that had to be rescued by a lifeguard from a riptide at Huntington Beach in the uh, mid 80s while I was leading a children's day camp (laughs) immensely humbling Swimming in a deep ocean was not my idea of fun. In eighth grade, we saw Jaws the day before going to the beach for a week. (laughs) Talked to my mom and dad. Hi, mom and dad. They're watching. Talked my mom and dad into letting me uh, get out. We were at the drive-in, and I was able to talk them into letting me get on top of the station wagon. Very uncomfortable. Uh, I was back in there within five minutes after the movie started. Needless to say, I didn't go in the water all week long. So back to 1992, besides thinking I'm going to be drowned, I thought sharks will eat me. And I tell you all that today because we're taking a deep dive, we're stopping the boat, we're dropping anchor to swim in what should be the most awesome thing ever, the unsearchable riches of Christ, glorious swimming waters where you can't touch the bottom no fear we're all together we like to feel like we have things wired we like to feel like we have things under control and you could even ask what would we be afraid of as we consider the unsearchable riches of Christ surely not sharks surely not drowning but maybe dying or maybe dying to self or maybe just being distracted by some fear fear of man fear of rejection fear of failure maybe fear of success fear of exposure and the answer is found in the unsearchable riches of Christ it's like jumping in the vast deep ocean and you can't fathom the ounces and you feel like you're treading water and you can't touch the ground and You're measurably humbled by the greatness of God. That's what I hope will happen today as you contemplate with me, Ephesians 3.8. I want to address three life-altering, fear-reducing questions. The first is, what are the unsearchable riches of Christ? The second is, how do you get them? And the third is, what do you do with them once you get them? What are the unsearchable riches of Christ? We're parked in Ephesians 3.8. Let's look at the verse. It says, Paul says this, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable. No figuring it all out. Humanly speaking, it's, but it's knowable. He's going to tell them something. And the riches, all, all good things here. All, if you think of the riches, it's all of God's truths, all of God's character, all of God's goodness, all of his mercy, all of his grace, all of his love. Everything he is and everything he gives. The riches of Christ. The promised sent deliverer. The redeemer. The Messiah. These riches are unsearchable. It says. You do the word study and you find it's from a word for footprint. In Greek literature, it was spoken of a tracker, one who pursues by tracking someone's footprints. It's used only here and Romans 11:36 in the New Testament. The idea is you can't trace it out. You can't fully detect it. You can't fully investigate it's fathomless. It's bottomless. It's beyond man's ability on his own to investigate. The Enlightenment told us else, uh, told us something else. Said, well, man can work his way to God through unaided human reason. And Enlightenment uh, lies are still what many people are swimming in. This verse is telling us that it's beyond man's ability to investigate. No one is coming up with these ideas on their own. Not going to happen can only be known as God has revealed it. Paul could preach the unsearchable riches of Christ because God revealed it to be understood by people. In Ephesians 1, he's praying for the church, and he says, I'm praying that you would be enlightened to know the hope and the riches of his glorious inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, Paul described the unsearchable wisdom of God and his untraceable ways in Romans 11.33. He was quoting Job. And in Romans 11.33, he's speaking of the, ma- the majesty, the grandeur, the-, the awesome wisdom of God and his plan that caused Paul to literally belt out praise. A, fitting, a very fitting response when you think of justification by faith outlined in Romans chapters 1-11. through 11. He's speaking of the wisdom, the knowledge of God, God's omniscience and his judgments, his purposes, his decrees, which are beyond human understanding, and his ways, the way how God chooses to accomplish his plans. And there's this never-ending goodness. In Ephesians 1.3, we read that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is for the believer. In Colossians, we read, in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter 1:3, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And you see some of these riches in Ephesians chapter 1. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1, you just pick it up at verse 7. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. It goes on. We have the knowledge of the mystery of his will. We have the word of truth. We have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We have the guarantee of our inheritance. There's these spiritual riches with eternal benefits for the believer that we cannot fully comprehend. Find that Christ's riches are not material riches. Some people will say, God's going to make me rich materially. No, these are spiritual blessings to everyone he saves. That Jesus forgives your sin, Jesus transforms your life, as Romans 12 says, by the renewing of your mind, by the Spirit, through the Word. You know how we call some relational difficulties the gift that keeps on giving? Well, here, the best gift of ever keeps on giving as we progressively are changed in Christ. We display what only the Spirit can produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Job spoke of the unsearchable ways of God. In Job 5.9, he says, As for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Repeats the same words in Job nine verse ten. Then he closes Job in, in 26.14 with this, Behold, these are but the outskirts, the, the edges of God's ways. Solomon. Solomon had great wisdom and, and great riches, and his fame it was spread throughout the whole earth. Everyone at the time was coming. Rulers were coming from all over to hear his wisdom and to see the lavish display of his wealth. He had no equal, but his riches could be counted gold and silver. They were temporary treasures. In Luke eleven thirty one, 31, we read that Jesus is greater than Solomon. His treasures are inexhaustible. His treasures are unsearchable. His treasures are eternal. And it's like the psalmist said in Psalm sixteen eleven, Lord, you make me know the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Christ's riches include all that God is and gives, his glory, his mercy, his grace, his truth, his wisdom, his life, his love. The unsearchable riches of Christ. How do you get them? Second question, how do you you get these riches? Do you go and get them somewhere? Plenty of people will tell you that you do. Let's look at the the verse that we are looking at today. Go back to Ephesians 3.8. Paul puts it this way, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, here is this former rabid enemy of Christians, chasing them down, throwing them in jail, now has been transformed by Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the least of all, and I'm going to exalt the greatest one. Grace was given to me. It was incomparably great, this incredible love of God, manifested in the sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins, in our place, shedding his blood to pay the penalty a holy God required, opened the way for people to be accepted into fellowship with God. You don't accept him into your fellowship, he accepts you into his through no work of your own, based on Christ's work, not yours where you entrust your soul, where you believe, where you yield to him, where you surrender to Christ. And the riches of the Jewish Messiah, in whose riches the Gentiles participate, are given to you. You have the riches of Christ if you are in Christ. It says in Ephesians 2.7 that in the coming ages, that God would demonstrate the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. The yet future, this grace will be fully appreciated. That at present, we are limited in our understanding because of our sinful human limitations and we take this for granted. Yet future, a new body without sin, we will fully appreciate the surpassing excellencies of Christ and the greatness of his grace that God is going to demonstrate the surpassing wealth of his grace. He's going to demonstrate his action in Christ that made us alive, that raised us, that seated us in the heavenlies with Christ, and he will demonstrate in the successive ages the, the, the surpassing wealth of all of his grace, all of his kindness, all of his mercy, all of his love, directed towards all who are in Christ is describing an undeserved salvation given by God's unmerited kindness and grace. You and I need to be careful when we speak of Christ's riches. I've run into people before, sometimes rich kids, who like to brag about how much their parents have and how privileged they are. We don't run around as Christians and bragging about how much we have. It's treasure, it's not, it's not trash, and, and you're not trying to get something. You've been given something. You've been given something. You've been granted the opportunity to enjoy something that already exists. It's, it's seriously, it's like a membership in the most exclusive club, and you couldn't get in, and it's far better that Christ gives himself to believers He gave himself to you. It's his work alone. And that's how all the saving benefits and all the blessings in the souls of believers are enjoyed. Like, go read the Song of Solomon. Our union with Christ is a great mystery that was revealed that God, we know God gives life as the creator. He gives life to all people. But God gives eternal life, power, goodness, wisdom, mercy, grace, kindness, love to Christians only. In his common grace, he blesses everyone. But only in Christ do you have the riches of Christ. God created everything by his infinite power, wisdom and goodness, and he gave life, and his works are glorious, and all things depend upon him and are influenced by God himself. He is the eternal source of life. But God preserves his creation. He reveals his glory. But... He reveals his glorious nature even more in the new creation, in in the church. All the goodness, all the mercy, all the love, all the the grace, all the power to create the new creation comes from God. That in the new creation, he reveals his glory more fully. Through the church, That he reveals his glorious character through his decree. Of election. This is how he does it. To produce the church, to produce the new creation, he prepared and he set apart for himself those he chose to save. And so, what the psalmist said about the physical body can also be said of the body of Christ, knit together in the wisdom of God. You did not choose to be born, you didn't choose to be created, you do not choose to be recreated and reborn. Those God chose out of sinful humanity as the new creation, He gave to Christ, the Savior. And by the Spirit of God, He applies all the blessings of this salvation bought by Christ and gives you the life and the power and the grace and the mercy. He gives it to all He chose, all He saves. So when you see what God did to save you in Christ, you see the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's by the working of the triune God that you're called into being, it's not by chance. You didn't just stumble upon it. In God's perfect time, the Spirit gives life to whom He wills. This is why the entire church, every true believer, can never fall away. Every moment, believer, every moment, true church, God keeps you secure. And He's sustaining your life. You're on full time life support. You're on full-time life support. And was continually giving you everything you need for life and godliness, and it will be given you throughout eternity. Do not say, God has not given me what I need. You get, praise God, you get the riches of Christ by the free gift of Christ. That's what you get father gives his riches in the son through the spirit those chosen before the foundation of the world get the blessings and what you'll notice going deeper is that god gave the elect to christ before christ was given to them in john 17:6 the son is praying to the father and jesus says to the father they were yours You gave them to me. It's promised in the gospel. All who believe become partakers of the blessings bought for them at the cross. And what God does is He prepares you to believe in Christ. He creates faith in the souls of all the elect by His power in His perfect timing. And you have the wonderful gift of Christ to the church, and it comes from the eternal wisdom of God. It's the free gift of the Spirit. That Christ gives himself to us by giving the spirit to dwell within us. It's how we are said to be in union with Christ. The same spirit who dwells in Christ as head of the church dwells in his body, the church, by giving life to all he has chosen. And you can look throughout all of creation. You go to the beach, go to the mountains, go to the desert, you will never find anything like this in all of creation. This is the new creation. And marriage can only shadow it, as Ephesians 5 tells us. And it is in this union that we are to enjoy Christ's riches and enjoy him, that he is cherished by the church. And it is in this moment that any who do not believe, to them he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They despise this work. Someone who's not a believer knows what it's like to be joined to their spouse, to be one flesh, but they have no clue what it means to be joined to the Lord. By this union with Christ, you can respond to God, and Christ's riches are granted to you. The believer is said to have their life hidden with Christ in God, and that you are preserved and kept safe and secure for eternity to the praise of God's glorious grace alone. And this knowledge is more desirable than all the world's wisdom. This is why the psalmist says, I have have more understanding than my teachers. You're smarter than your professors, college students. Kids, you're smarter than your homeschool mom. This knowledge is more desirable than all the wisdom the world contains. Christ gave himself to us by creating a new nature. His nature is in us. The same nature in him is in the church, but with a difference. We've been made partakers of God's nature. He he took on our nature so he could give his to us. And he implants in the believer, in their soul, all that was in his human nature. It's like you have a spiritual pacemaker, but better, it's a new heart. In Christ, everything dwells perfectly, in us, imperfectly. But the same divine nature in him and us through precious gospel promises, we are called what then? The new man, the new creation. We have a divine nature. Our spirit is reborn by the spirit of God. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. We put on Christ. We we walk in the workmanship created in us by God for good works. These are not things outside of you that you tack on like a costume. These are things that God puts in you. It would be easy to think, I just need to go get those riches. Tell me where to go. Where's the store? I'll go. What you realize in Christ is that he has put those riches in you. The new nature that God puts in you by the indwelling spirit, as it says, you were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, it's producing in your souls by his power the image of Christ. Progressively. That Corinthians tells us, First Corinthians tells us this, it is by his doing that you are in Christ who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And so it can be said that Christ even says of his church, you are now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That Christ gives himself to the church. The church receives the free gift of God and and Christ is preparing to present the church to himself. Ephesians 5 tells us this, that by giving himself to the church, Christ will one day present it to himself as a glorious church. No more spots, no more wrinkles, no more gossip, no more pain. No such thing. Holy and without blemish. He's preparing his bride for eternity. Christian, if you're in the church, in Christ, you are part of that bride. You add to this all your problems? These truths tell you, no. Your problems will not overcome you. You are enveloped by the riches of Christ. It's your identity. We know in part, we see in part, one day we will fully know as we have been fully known. But this is why you wake up in the morning, Christian. This is what makes life worth living. That if you see any purity in your life, that you see any beauty of the Christ of Christ in your life, if you have any inner enjoyment of Christ, it's due to Christ giving himself to you in order to give you to himself. It has nothing to do with outward appearance. You've worked so hard on your outward appearance. Make yourself presentable. Good choice. There are plenty of people that are still of the world, not believers, of the world, not transformed, that on the outside look religious, and they seem to be real Christians. But here's the truth that separates the church from the world. Here it is. Christ has given himself to us so that he can give us to himself. We are called the firstfruits of God's creation. We bear God's image in the world. The unsearchable riches of Christ now are the waters in which we are swimming. Christ brings us in by faith. Christ gives himself to us all by the mercy and the grace and the love and the kindness and the power of the gospel. It's like you're swimming with an air tank on and you're continually receiving a supply of spiritual life support and strength to persevere. This is why you can keep going. It's what you see in the parable of the vine and the branches. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We live, Paul said it this way, we live. Nonetheless, Christ lives in us. Life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. That Christ has given us himself. And he has given us all his righteousness. And, and so you love Christ. You pray. You enjoy the word that he gave to guide us. You look to his return you, and the full union forever that we will enjoy. And, and so much more now that we cannot say. But what do you do with those riches? We know what they are. We know how you get them. But what do you do once you have them? You stockpile? You stockpile? So many people love to stockpile things for themselves: gold bars and cans of chicken and what have you. What do you do with the un- unsearchable riches of Christ? What do you do with them? Let's go back to our parking space for today. Ephesians 3:8. Paul said to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. They're not meant to stockpile and hoard selfishly because there's no danger. I'm, a lot of people will say things like, you know, I'm retired and I only have so much money, so I'm not going to give you any. You know, or I, I can't be generous because I only have so much, it's going to run out. I get it, I, those concerns are, are real. 1 Corinthians 1 tells us we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power and wisdom of God. What do you do with those? You preach the riches that cannot be tracked. And right this moment, right this very moment, those who do not believe cannot see this, cannot understand this, and we are despised for making such claims. And this is why Paul was praying for spiritual understanding, that God would open the eyes of their hearts, that even he would open their hearts, like he did for Lydia in Acts 16, open her heart to believe what was being said. might be happening right now in your heart, right now, where God is helping you believe what is being said in the word, and that you would even be able to to enjoy the saving and sanctifying and relational and practical and eternal riches of God in Christ that are given to every believer. This is why the church can bless the world. We have nothing to give but what God has given us. This is why you can enrich the life of those around you. You can bless your family and bless your neighbors and bless total strangers. Someone once said, don't preach Christ to me, I have enough problems. Jesus doesn't take away life, Jesus gives life. If you know, you know. Preach to unbelievers the wealth of Christ. Preach to your own heart the wealth of Christ. Let everyone know of new life in Christ. Don't don't make them think that they make it happen. Don't make them think that they go get it. That they do it. This is how important it is to get the gospel right. In Ephesians two, it tells us that Jesus, by means of his messengers, proclaims peace to Jew and Gentile alike. And it's interesting regarding the whole idea of proclaiming peace. If you do the word study and you look back in ancient Greek literature, what you'll notice is that the announcement of peace in those days did not always correspond to the facts. And that false stories of victory to boost morale would be given. You're not bringing false stories, friends. In the New Testament economy, Jesus is the content of the message. So gospel messengers do not, you know, uh, in, like you don't uh, invent the content. You reveal what has been faithfully handed down. It's the commission we're given in Christ to proclaim the un fathomable the unsearchable riches of Christ to herald not our own message but that of Christ this is why you need to understand the gospel and this is what answers your questions and solves your problems what am I here on earth for everyone wants to know believer you are here on earth to give glory to God but what am I here on earth for Believer, you are here on earth to give glory to God by proclaiming Christ's riches. But what about my plans and what about my problems? Right. You, like me, are too often selfish and distracted. You know, distracted driving is epidemic. We all know it. It's supposed to be going in one direction, people swerving, people texting. Maybe they're drunk, they shouldn't be driving. Distracted hiking is also a thing. This week I came within two feet of stepping on a rattlesnake because I was texting while hiking. Very dangerous. But distracted Christianity is epidemic. It's supposed to be about the gospel, getting, getting diverted every which way except forwards. And Ephesians 3 8 is just what the doctor ordered to get us back on track. There there are devil-distracted people all around you dying and going to hell every minute, caught in Satan's web, addicted to lies, and only Jesus can set them free. And we have the answer in the gospel. It was promised from Genesis 3.15 onward, repeated in the prophets, and in the fullness of the time, in God's perfect time, Jesus Christ appeared to save sinners, shedding his blood, dying for sins. And so believers born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and then sent out as lights into the world to hold forth the word of life for God's glory. It's our job. It's our, it's our, it's our calling. It's our vocation. Can I be a little distracted? Can I peek at my phone a little while I drive? Can I, can I coddle my precious addictions my food, my TV, my internet, my pornography, my imaginations, my gossip. But by God's grace and for His glory, get undistracted and redirected by the Word of God and go preach Christ's unsearchable riches. I pray that God would set you free, even painfully, that God would even take you through some hard providences so that you would attach your attention to God's promises, that by God's grace and for his glory, you would get undistracted and redirected by the word and then go preach Christ's riches anywhere and start right where you are right now. Open your Bible and find your friends. Some people will say, well, you know, Proclaiming Christ, you know, that's, I'm going to do the same thing for the rest of my life? Well, proclaiming Christ should never get old. Christ is not boring. His glories are unsearchable. You proclaim the riches of Christ to your own soul daily and out of the outflow of your communion with God, then declare his glorious riches to others. He's the hero of the Bible. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. Keep pointing to the hero of the Bible. He changes lives. Keep the life changer at the heart of your conversations. Don't be afraid to speak of him. So how will you know if you are swimming in the depths of Christ's riches and not in your own ideas? Following the mind of Christ instead of your own mind. How will you know? You'll know because you're going to find all goodness and strength in Christ. You'll find all goodness and strength in Christ. The immeasurable riches of Christ, is it's like Moose Tracks ice cream. <laughs> Full of rich, chunky, overflowing goodness. For you and I. But The riches of Christ can give you the strength you need in so many instances. Here is Paul, the least praising the greatest. Here is Paul, humbly acknowledging the all-surpassing grace of God. When you're swimming in these depths, You find all goodness and strength in Christ, and you find great joy in Christ, and it shows. The foundation of our of our life is knowledge and enjoyment of God. Wouldn't it be weird if you told your spouse or your kids, you know, you love them with absolutely no emotion, and you just you say it so deadpan, they don't think you mean it. Well, what if you say you love Jesus? And it doesn't seem to hit your heart at all. It's like you don't feel it at all. And I get that it happens in moments, but what if it happens all the time? What if you have an intellectual conviction that God is good, but you're not moved by Him in any way? It doesn't hit your your emotions. What if you know what to say in a gospel presentation? And you honor him with your lips, but your heart is far from him. Delight in God is the main fuel for living a life fully as God intends. If you're struggling with your motivation, you're battling guilt, you're discouraged, return to the cross. Return to the cross where the fountain of God's goodness flows freely. If life becomes dry duty... Be refreshed by Jesus. You know, people who get bored with the Christian life don't understand Jesus Christ. Believer, you have a new life. You have a new commander. You have a new calling. You have a new compass. The word of God. You have a new focus. All things made new. A new life perspective. You have a reason to get up in the morning. As God continues to show you the riches of his grace, and you're able to share the riches of his grace. We preach Christ crucified, risen, reigning, returning. As he is, not as everyone wants you to tell them, as as many want or demand him to be, but as he is, the real Jesus. It's been said that hurting people hurt people. Free people, free people. Change people, change people. If you are awestruck at Christ's immeasurable riches, and goodness, there's a good chance you're going to infect others with that enthusiasm. so They would be awestruck at Christ's immeasurable riches. Like, become a theologian. R.C. Sproul put it this way. Everyone's a theologian. You have thoughts of God. But why don't you think thoughtfully of God? When you're swimming in the, in the, the riches of Christ, you think thoughtfully of God. You know when someone's thoughtful... To you, they, they bring you a cookie. They thought about you and they brought you a cookie. Oatmeal raisin, of course. I saw that look. You owe me cookies? No. Um, think thoughtfully about it. when When people are thoughtful of you, they think ahead of time how to bless you and they do it. And what do you say? Thank you. Wow, that was thoughtful. God is thoughtful. God thought of you and planned to bless you, believer. You need to be thoughtful of God. Think of God, how great and awesome he is. It'll put everything in perspective in your life. It will heavily ground you. It will tether you. It will anchor you. It will free you. It will unleash you. Think big thoughts of God. On January 7th, 1855, Spurgeon said this, God is a subject so vast, all of our thoughts are lost in its immensity. So deep our pride is drowned in its infinity. Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go, plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity. You shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed, invigorated. Believer, find your greatest comfort in Christ not in anything that you can go by or be given by anyone else that's some material thing that's going to dissolve and go away or be burned. Be wary of your own motives. Throw yourself on the mercy of God in Christ. And when your sin is heavy upon you, just dive deep in the depths of forgiveness in Christ. When you have no strength, remember that God, his power is made perfect in your weakness. When you're down in the depths of despair, remember the hope that you have in Christ, the living hope. And when you have no answers, go to the word, open up your tear-stained Bible and dive deep into God's depths and be very careful. Very careful how you communicate. Christ, though he was rich, became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. You bring gospel truth to bear upon your own heart and lives of those you know. You swim in deep glory. You'll be eminently humbled and you'll live a repentant life with a tender heart. Just never give the impression that you're right and everyone's wrong. Just humbly hold firmly to the truth. Proclaim it boldly, with no apology. These riches are to be shared, not stockpiled as if they were limited. That day in 1992, the fun boat day that terrified me, I was working my way to shore, not having fun. I just wanted to get to shore and not die. Fear will do weird things to your mind. But then I got to shore, and instantly I thought, I've got to swim back to the boat. So we played for a while and everyone had a good time for an hour or two on the beach except for me because I was dreading this went back to the boat. <laughs> Somehow I got back and here I am today. I've been all over the world and God has me here today. Praise God. But what I've wanted to do today is point you to God. Point you to Christ, His unsearchable riches and then point out some practical effects of what dwelling on those riches will do to your soul. It's one thing to tell someone, hey, you should go to the Grand Canyon. It's another to take them there and stand on the rim and look at its great expanse. It's one thing to talk about the deep ocean and it's another to swim in the deep ocean, vast, can't touch the bottom ocean. It's even one thing to talk about grains of sand, but it's another to hold them in your hand and realize you can't even count the ones that are in your hand. And how much more immense and vast is God? And God blesses every believer with the unsearchable riches of Christ to enjoy and to share we thank you Lord that this is our life Christ you are our life and Lord thank you that when we think of you our our thoughts and our speech must be driven by what you have said what you have revealed and may our thoughts of praise and our words of praise and our lives to praise you, would, it, would they multiply exponentially, that you would use us for your glory, that you would use us for your purposes. We thank you, Lord, that you will. You said you will. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Let's worship together in response. If you would stand, we'll close singing all to us.
0: Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are faithful to the The glory. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy son of God sent from heaven hope and mercy at the cross you are everything you're the promise Jesus you The righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of
3: Before we go, just a few announcements. So midweek service started last week as well as Adventure Club and Junior High and High School continue on, of course. And uh, we're doing a series called Family Matters, Biblical Help and Support for Parents and Grandparents and Anyone Who Cares. And last week was part one of doing battle for the souls of the young, even while seemingly battling the young. I got to 14 of 32 points, and so that's why there's a part two this week, and I believe we're going to get through it this week. Also, we're welcoming new members all the time. We're so glad that people uh, commit to membership and all that it means. Uh, So there are four new ones uh, just this week, Grace Ulibari and Bo Bauman. Bo's in the back over there waving his hands wildly so you can see him. Uh, Jeremiah Clark, as well as Shane McFarland, and so... Uh, make sure you welcome them. Men's Retreat, we found out we got some new, we asked and got more space. And so if you still want to go, we're like at 80 some guys going. Uh, but today is the last, last, last day. But you've got to email James Holt. It's on the card. Uh, if you're on the um, live stream, it's jholt, J-H-O-L-T at greatsorange.org. Uh, missions course great first week last week I've been told you can still sign up and enjoy the last five sessions so you can go ahead and do that pray for the ladies as they come back from the retreat today and then also one other thing I want to let you know uh, we support each other and love each other in the body Uh, but for personal reasons Sam Johnson is working through right now he has stepped aside from being a pastoral intern at Grace and obviously be praying for our brother he's a good man so be praying for him and his family. All right, let's pray together. Uh, We're going to close. I want to close with Philippians 1 and then pray. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We thank you and praise you, Lord, that you want to use us for your glory thank you for saving souls pray that you would continue to save and sanctify as you see fit as you will as you have decreed and lord for any among us that have not surrendered to christ may they believe in the lord jesus today and be saved and for the rest of us for all of us lord may we go now by your grace and for your glory to serve your purposes we pray in jesus name amen
0: Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign on the ocean floor, with me in the calm, with me. In